Hello and welcome back, hopefully, to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock and with me, as always, is... Jens. <laughs> Just Jens, Jens today, alright. Jens Nelson. <laughs> uh, this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. So... Um, bit of a marathon recording session for us today. A little peek behind the curtain for you. Um, th- this is actually technically the fourth episode we're recording. Some of them, a couple of them are a little shorter, but... Um, it's definitely a record uh, for one day for us. Yeah. I, it might even somehow, I didn't think it could be done, but it, it might it might even break the time record we have of recording that Tulip episode. <laughs> it took, ima- took four episodes to, to imagine, come close. But. Imagine. <laughs> I would laugh if four episodes is shorter than that one for today. Yeah, that would be funny. That would be that would say a lot yeah. about Tulip, like just the topic <laughs> in general. Yikes. Oh, man. So it feels a little weird to ask this because I already know the answer, but how's it going, man? It's... You know, this is in the future for us now like we we've never recorded so far in advance so you know to give you a little like i said a peek behind the curtain sort of reveal our cards a little bit um well i am the wizard to think about it um it's true it's true (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) spoiler alert things are pretty good um you know i I mean i know we've yeah like you said we've already kind of talked a little bit but you know i'll just throw out something that i haven't talked about um you know, work is going pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's nice to Sweet. finally be in a, a job that's consistent, has consistent hours, consistent days. Mm-hmm. I love having weekends off. Um, today was actually the first day that our church could gather again. Um, oh, and wow. they did an outside service. So that way they could have a greater capacity. Um, unfortunately, I was unable to go because I had to, H- Hannah okay. was leaving with her mom and I had to take her oh, over right. to her parents and it sort of conflicted. Her mom's car battery died. It was a big ordeal this morning. Oh. It was a bummer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I, we're really excited and we're we're ca- cautiously optimistic about mm-hmm. about all this. You know, we're a little hesitant. Like, I mean, sure. we're both immunocompromised. We're not just like afraid of the great boogeyman out there. Um, right. You know, yeah. COVID is still serious and it's still, uh, we still want to be respectful and loving and caring of not just ourselves, but, you know those that we come into contact with and our families. So yeah, but we're excited because it, I mean, man, it's going to be so weird when we actually go back and can gather again. Right. So it's, yeah. Yeah. We still don't have any, our church sent out like a survey this week among, among other things. There were questions about like level of comfort, you know, like sort of, yeah, you know, different, different questions around, you know, regathering, but we're definitely, uh, you know, still in the, both as a state, you know, here in mass, as well as, um, my church specifically, definitely very much in this sort of thinking through and thinking about regathering at this point. But I, I am looking forward to the day, um, like, like I've been seeing on social media and, you know, people who are in different, different areas of the country, like, starting to reopen and, and regather as bodies. And I'm so excited, anxiously awaiting that day when yeah. we get to worship together again. Um, it's, it's, I whether mean, that's outside or inside, even, right. you know, but especially inside. In, in God's sovereignty, obviously, this is within that. This is not, you know, this isn't some peculiar thing that's happening. And I, I know that there's, you know, just like what you intended for evil, God used for good 
God meant for good, you know, quoting Genesis 50 um, when Joseph is speaking to his brothers. And I know that this has been really hard for a lot of people. It's been a challenge. It's been, um, man, an up, it seems just like one gut punch after another. But, you know, yeah. the, the joy of getting to gather again, the... Um, the mutual love. I mean, I, man, this this new church that we've been going to since coming back to Wisconsin, we love the church. The pastor is so, you can just tell that he loves and cares for the body mm-hmm. that he is um, pastoring over. And he, you know, he sends out weekly emails and, you know, sort of like quoting Paul this week, he was saying like, I long to be with you. I long to, I mean, when he writes to the Romans, I long to um, you know, impart mm-hmm. some sort of spiritual gift to, you know, to be um, mutually built up by each other's presence. And man, it's going to be, it's like, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. So on that note, let's shift gears a little bit and hop into today's topic. So as you may know, if you have listened to um, especially the early, you know, sort of intro episodes we did, but it's definitely come up as well in later episodes, um, specifically, Jens, in your ministry experience, um, you for a season were employed by a church as a youth pastor, correct? Correct. Was that your title, youth pastor? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it might have been like pastor of youth. It was always weird, like the semantics <laughs> of it. I was like, what, who, who cares? <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> um, so... What we wanted to do, or what I wanted to do, well, we wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Semantics, I guess. Semantics. (laughs) Uh, Was I wanted to sort of, seeing as you have, like, you know, a season of firsthand, you know, vocational experience in youth ministry in a church context, I wanted to sort of pose some questions to you to sort of explore a little bit about youth ministry and different aspects of it things that are good things that that maybe aren't so good or could use some improvement or just your perspective and thoughts based on your experience being someone involved in youth ministry um, in a way that I haven't been and that I'm sure most of the people listening just statistically most people aren't youth pastors at churches so probably most of you listening don't have um, necessarily the same you know, firsthand level of experience with youth ministry. But even if, even if you do, um, your experience obviously is unique because you're at a certain church at a certain time with certain kids. So what I was hoping to do is sort of by talking to you as sort of the resident expert, Mm. um, (laughs) just based on your experience, um, sort of use that to explore, youth ministry more generally. Yep. You know, I know this is something we've been talking about for a little bit as a topic. Um, and I think that this is probably the best way to go about exploring that topic. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like super quick, because I'm sure you've already said this before in, in previous episodes, at least once, do you want to just give like a, like a very quick bullet point of sort of what your youth ministry experience, um, like what your job description was, yep. what your, your exposure to this this ministry was yeah i want to give really one quick funny story that i just learned that pertains to youth ministry in a way before i forget i just don't want to leave it to the end and have forgotten so um as i've mentioned before too so after leaving the church as a youth pastor my wife and i moved to wisconsin where we're from and i got a job at quick trip which is a local convenience store 
And I, I didn't learn this until a couple weeks ago. So in my in my last couple of days at Quick Trip, I was talking to some coworkers, and one happens to say something like, "Hey, did you know that when you first started, we thought you were going to be like seventy years old?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what the heck does that mean?" And they're like, "Well, the only thing the manager told us at the time is that you used to be a pastor," and like. You know, I we, we had a pastor that worked here for a while that, you know, he, he worked here part time and he was just like a 70 year old guy. So like that was our expectation that like, you know, coming in, you're going to be a 70 year old. But I, I just thought that was hilarious when she's like, that's amazing. <laughs> but no, I am not 70. I am 25. <laughs> um, so, yeah. OK, so my my youth ministry experience. So when I was 18, I had a. a, a my church, the, the youth pastor we had, he got really sick. He had to leave. Um, there was a period of time where the youth group was led by my dad and some other leaders. Um, and then a new youth pastor took over. And this this youth pastor is, like, I credit a lot of my spiritual growth to him because he really helped me in a very transformative way. Um, and so when I was 18 and 19, I began um, going to a community college. I um, I was meeting with this pastor weekly, like several times a week, even um, usually just once a week. But we would we would pray and read the Bible, talk about theology, just like hang out. And I, I've mentioned how I wanted to be a high school history teacher, but then I soon realized, like, man, I want to share the gospel with kids. And I was like, I think I want to be a youth pastor. Um, and so I got my associate's degree. I transferred to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. I, I was a biblical studies major with the expectation that after graduating, I would go into youth ministry. So in my last year at Moody, um, you know, as you usually should, you sort of start job hunting before before you graduate. And so that, that started in November. Do you remember, Lucas? When, I do. When you picked me up from... You picked me up from, I worked at a, at a church called Park Community Church. Yep. One of the days I had to work late, partially because yeah. <laughs> I had to do an interview with a different church. I was inter, like, I was inter, I, I applied to several churches and I interviewed at two of them. Both of them wanted to hire me, but you picked me up for some reason. I don't know if Hannah didn't, if Hannah had the car, something I think she might have been like out of town or okay. something. You, you picked me up and it was, I called you. I was like, Hey man, I don't want to walk home alone. Can you come get yeah. me? And I remember telling you like, man, I do not feel good about this church. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I remember that conversation. Yeah. Like I remember like you, you were like, I think it was either like you, you either came out like on the phone mm -hmm. with them or like you came out like later than you planned because like the interview went over. Like you were, Something you like, like finished your shift and then like during that process they also called you so it was sort of like yeah you were doing your interview at at your park job but but yeah I, I remember I don't remember if it was like then like that night or if it was shortly after but I remember standing I think in the hall outside of your apartment maybe it was in between classes or something um talking with you about like the interview and sort of some concerns you had yeah I think that um, was that so I, I vividly remember that that interview process yeah like, so that was that uh, was january of 2018 if you can believe that when that happened man what a, what a time right well so so that's that was you know so yeah to, to sort of go back um i was interviewing to become a youth pastor um i interviewed at a, at a church in um, the suburbs of chicago and ended up taking the job i mean i i went in and interviewed mm -hmm. and met with pastors um, they wanted to hire me 
you know, they offered, they sent an offer letter. So I started on a part-time basis while I was still at Moody. So the end of February of 2018, March, April, May, I was commuting to the suburbs several times a week for youth group, for Nerf Wars and a lock-in <laughs> and some other stuff. And uh, when we graduated, I jumped right into full-time vocational yeah. youth ministry. Yeah, I remember that too. That was a crazy week of graduation moving into your apartment in the, in the burbs and yep oh yeah you helped um, you and jeremiah uh helped drive yeah. me and hannah to the apartment <laughs> and we got st- on the way back in the u-haul or not it wasn't a u-haul but it was it was a box truck like that yeah we, we got stuck in the worst traffic <laughs> coming back to the city it was insane oh good times oh, man. so um yeah i think that's a good summary of just sort of like giving people an idea like for those of you who grew up in a youth group or in a church or, or currently go to one that, you know, is, is sort of a, a typical sort of, you know, modern evangelical triggered uh, <laughs> type church, um, what 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 a youth pastor sort of, a, you know, a fairly standard youth pastor role is, I think, is is, is basically what... Um, what your sort of job description was. Oh, yeah, I guess um, I didn't really describe what I did. It was more... That was the story well, no, I got yeah. there. But yeah, but, um, I mean, I, I think that's that's definitely helpful too. Yeah, yeah. I I'll just say just to to ask, answer that exact question, like as a youth pastor, I was in charge of sixth through twelfth grade. Um, I oversaw the Sunday school curriculum. I oversaw the middle school youth group and the high school youth group, and sort of all that pertained to that. So I was, for lack of a better words, I was the pastor to students, right? Their spiritual advisor, you know, however you want to think about that yeah so since you are an expert with mm. with days and days and days of experience i'm kidding um what is youth ministry if you had to define it yeah so i i want to i want to start with the caveat that in no way am i trying to bash or um criticize or like I don't want to speak any ill will towards previous position positions that I've had I have been a, a vocational youth pastor I've been a youth leader I've been a volunteer I've been a student I've done PCM so practical Christian ministries at, at Moody so I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of my collective experience but also of what I can observe from people that I know from other youth groups so I just I wanted to get that out there because I don't know who listens who might get the wrong idea. I am, I'm just describing, uh, I'm answering questions the, the way that I see it. So what is youth ministry? Um, so y- youth ministry is geared towards just that youth. So I, I don't know exactly the, the history of, of youth ministry, when it became a thing, if it's always been a thing. Um, but especially in the 21st century, youth groups have sort of been the place where Anywhere from 6th grade to 12th grade, people gather together, um, usually separate from, you know, what happens on a Sunday morning. Um, there's good representations of it. There's bad representations of it. You know, in my in my opinion, youth ministry, the way that it ought to function, youth ministry should be a, a an avenue to help families in family worship. One of the dangers of youth ministry is it almost is like there's big church and here's youth church. I mean, there are some churches that actually do that. While the while the mm-hmm. main church is gathering, the kids gather. 
um, right. like the like the youth gather. I think that's kind of dangerous because you're, you know, especially because you're usually doing it differently. You know, there's games, you got some snacks, you know, um, there's there, you know, there's been a meme for a while, like um, when the high school kid graduates, you know, he he graduates from goldfish and juice to a wafer and communion juice. Like that's that's the transition <laughs> from youth group to adult church. Um, oh man, you know, so like youth ministry, the way that I see the way that I see it, and the way that I wanted it to function when I was a youth pastor was um, the youth are a part of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Those who believe in Christ. And the youth ministry is where a certain age group can get together for mutual encouragement, for edification, for worship, for hearing the word. But it in no way replaces the gathering of the believers, the gathering of the saints. It is a an aid. It is a resource. It is a, uh, you know, when used correctly, a good gift that can be stewarded well. That's, you know, there's probably a lot more that could be said, but that's that's sort of sure. how I see it. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I really like the distinction between sort of like a ministry geared towards youth, a ministry geared towards youth versus the ministry that a youth gets. Right. You, you know, as it being an, an aid and an avenue for, for ministry that the church does um, alongside families and, and with the youth versus it being, okay, we have a youth group, which which means that's the quote unquote the church for the youth, you know, um, rather than being part of the church experience that the youth get to experience. I, mm-hmm. I really like that distinction. I think it's helpful. So, you know, I, I guess you've kind of indicated that you have sort of, um, you know, certain things that you're not necessarily a big fan of when it comes to doing youth ministry or when it comes to how things are organized with it. Um, what do you think are some some benefits of ministry that is particularly directed at youth? Yeah, and so, then also, what are some drawbacks of doing that of having that that focused ministry on youth? Yeah, so one of the things as a youth pastor that I, that I mean, even after being a youth pastor, but especially during that time, that really captivated my mind and my heart um, is a statistic. So it's, it's pretty well established that roughly 70, 75% of students, when they graduate, they walk away from the church, whatever that means. So you can have a kid who grows up going to church, going to Awana, going to, um, you know, VBS, going to youth group, and then they, they go on through high school, they graduate, go off to college and walk away from the faith, sometimes never to return. So that was always something that like, instilled great fear in me like man i do not want my Mm. students to become another statistic i do not want them to be part of that 75 percent i my whole goal is not just to drink mountain dew and eat pizza and have nerf wars like those are fun things but that is not the goal of of being a youth pastor your goal is to shepherd kids to know the lord and so like my biggest like my biggest thing that i saw youth ministry like the greatest benefit that i saw um was youth are very moldable um it's it's at that age you're you're sort of at that age especially sixth grade like there's there's a time where you become more self-aware you become um more just aware in general suddenly like boys are cute and girls are cute like depending on you know if you're a boy or a girl 
um, you know, you're going through puberty, like things start to change and you become moldable. You begin to, to develop your habits that you're going to have for much of your life. You begin to establish beliefs and customs. And so like, especially for youth, this is a great time to like, you know, you're already sort of wrestling with like, who am I? What does it mean to be a person? <laughs> you know, you're, right. it's not just playing with action figures and, and Legos all the time, but like you're, you're, you're beginning to become a person and you can really be molded to be a, a good, faithful believer who, who loves the Lord, mm. who loves people. Um, and so it's helpful to have a ministry because here's the thing. So I, I've, I've, I've been a part of churches and I'm currently a part of a church that does not have a youth ministry such as this. So the church that my wife and I currently go to, um, they consider themselves a, an intergenerational church. What that means is the body is gathered together in all representations. So in Sunday gathering, everybody's there mm. from birth till ancient 99 year olds. Um, in, in small groups, small groups aren't just parents and the kids sort of hang out in the basement. People are gathered together in small groups. So like the whole point is like, you know, they're, they're really big on catechesis. So we, even every Sunday, mm. like we have what's called a children's sermon. So either the pastor or an elder will, um, address just the children. They'll have, he'll have the kids come to the front and they'll mm -hmm. do a catechism question. Um, for, I think from the oh, Westminster, wow. sometimes from, um, the Baptist confession or, um, catechism. And so, um, that, that's like a big emphasis is like raising believers in the body, not separated, not segregated from mm -hmm. the gathering, which is one of the dangers that like I've mentioned of youth ministry is once you, so you take the kids, you take them away from the gathering and you're planting them in a, in another space, the danger mm -hmm. then becomes, um, they sort of see that as this is what church is. I mean, I've known youth group kids. Like, why would I go uh -huh. to church on Sunday? I go to youth group on Wednesday. Um, so it's okay. not a actually, replacement. That actually is really helpful. I was going to ask a clarifying question. If you're talking about um, that separation happening on Sunday morning, specifically, where you have like a Sunday morning, you know, quote unquote, youth group church service going on during the normal Sunday worship service, or if you were talking more broadly, and it sounds like you are kind of speaking more broadly, like even even if you have everyone's together on Sunday morning, but there's a specific youth group time on a Wednesday, it's sort of what you're talking about. Like, I don't need to go to Sunday morning because I have Wednesday night. Is that is that what you're kind saying? Kind of, yeah. That's So, I, I mean, I guess I've said a couple things. Like, I know churches that they have their youth groups gather during Sunday morning gathering. I think that's mm -hmm. problematic. Um I also have met people that are kids or people that say, why would I go to Sunday morning gathering? Because I go to Wednesday youth group with junior high kids. Um, but I, yeah, what I'm trying to say is like the way that I see it is I, I don't think we need to get rid of youth groups altogether. I don't think that's necessarily mm -hmm. helpful. I think what we need is on Sundays, we need to have the body gathered, worshiping together, growing in fellowship. And it's also helpful to have a place where the youth can gather together. I mean, kids gotcha. like to hang yeah. out. They like to, um, you know, have play, uh, play games, have have fun, let loose. I mean, yep. that's part of being a kid. And I think it, it is helpful, but it is not the replacement for the Sunday gathering. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think we can probably picture a bit of an analogy with like, if we're, if you're a part of like a, you know, you meaning an adult, <laughs> if you're a part of like a, like a Bible study on Wednesday mornings or a small group that meets during the week or, or a prayer group 
like that being replacing what you do on Sunday morning probably feels a little, hopefully feels a little bit like that would be weird right? to say, oh, I don't need to go to church on Sunday because I had my small group on Friday night or whatever, whatever your yeah. particular group is. Exactly. I think that makes a lot of sense to sort of like, it's all, it almost feels like it becomes less surprising to, to think that way when it comes to youth than it is when, when, it, when we're talking about adults. Um, and, and I guess what, what I'm hearing is it, that should be just as unusual for, for youth as adults right. to yeah. say that there's some, there's somehow a, a, a replacement for rather than a, you know, alongside of the Sunday morning Part gathered of, worship right. service. And that's, and that's right. in, in, and speaking of more benefits, like, I recognize that there are different ways that youth ministry has been done, but I guess in I'm trying to present how I think youth ministry ought to function. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in speaking of other benefits, you know, um, there's something to be said too. I mean, I've mentioned that it's, you know, it's, it's during an age where kids are really moldable. Um, but also imagine for a second that, you're a youth group student whose family doesn't go to church on Sunday. So like, that's a really common thing. Like, you know, someone, mm. my, my family doesn't go to church. Uh, my family, they don't believe in God. Um, but like, you know, a friend from school invited, invited me to youth group and I came and it was like really cool. So like, I, I, I see the benefit and the value of that sort of experience because it can be really intimidating for a sixth, seventh, eighth, even 12th grader to right. suddenly walk into a Sunday gathering and sort of just be overwhelmed with what's going on. And, and you know, I, I think there's still value in that, but there's also great value in having a place where like a kid can come, they can ask questions, mm-hmm. they can be amongst, you know, um, similarly aged people, they can play games, but then they can also hear the word preached. And that's, you know, maybe if we're speaking of drawbacks, you know, I know maybe you actually, maybe I'll let you ask the next question. Cause that's sort of, I think, uh, go in that direction yeah so more more than just in your own like firsthand experience but more more like widely speaking in terms of talking with with people that you know who go to different churches or seeing things online or 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 discussed in books or or things like that would you or do you think there are certain trends in youth ministry that you've observed or noticed that um are sort of seemingly, you know, either becoming widespread or are widespread that you would say are either problematic or helpful, depending on, yeah. on what it is. Like, have you have you noticed any of those things? Yeah, I see more pro- problematic trends than beneficial trends. Unfortunately, um, you know, we've had an episode recently where we considered what evangelical means and what it means to to be a Christian, and I think in a in a very large, like I'm speaking very generally, because a lot of the American church is very watered down on Sundays, it's leading to having a, a lot of very watered down Wednesday night youth group gatherings. And that yeah. is why 70% of high school students leave the church after graduating. It's not because mm-hmm. like they were raised in a really faithful, Bible-saturated, gospel-saturated, like faithful, orthodox, Catholic, apostolic church, but it's because it's, they're getting a bunch of just for lack of a better word, fluff. Um, you know, we have a very... And not peanut butter and fluff sandwiches. Those are awesome. <laughs> right. You're talking about 
fluffy this, theology. Yes, fluffy, um, you know, it's a, a lot of what youth ministry is, is behavior modification. Don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't, you know, don't, don't go to parties, um, you know, practice abstinence. You know, it's all these like, it's, it's, I'll, I'll say this, this is one of the trends. Youth groups are the hotbeds of moralistic therapeutic deism. It's, ooh, can you define that for us? Yes. So in a very, is, I don't know the technical definition, but in my definition for moralistic therapeutic deism, it basically describes the Amer- a lot of the American church. So moralistic, meaning salvation is sort of just like, or, or Christianity is sort of just about morals, keeping a moral standard. It's moralistic, therapeutic in the sense that like it assuages your your conscience. It makes you feel better. It um, maybe takes away some of your guilt. And then deism is, so basically it's it's, it's a way in which to talk about salvation, but it's not true biblical gospel salvation. It's, I prayed a prayer when I was in middle school at the, you know, retreat because the pastor was talking about hell and I want to be with grandma when, you know, when I go to heaven. And it's, it's, it's all about like doing good works, feeling good about yourself, being encouraged. And it's, it's not the God of the Bible, but it's a self-made God. It is a, um, I mean, I'm sure you do, but you, you know, the, the term self-actualization, um, that's a term mm-hmm. that is very prevalent in a lot of circles right now. Um, to self-actualize is to, to define for yourself who you are, you know, who I'm going to have sex with, um, what my gender is going to be, what my identity is. If you, if you self-actualize, um, you're determining for yourself those things. And for a lot of people, that's what moralistic therapeutic deism is. It's, you feel maybe guilty about some of the things that you do. And so you confess these things and I don't know, maybe do you have a better way of like defining moralistic therapeutic deism? No, I, I think, I think you've, you've hit it pretty much right on. Like, like the, it's about, like you mentioned with, with youth groups, behavior modification. You know, I have some standard of morals that comes from my culture or the Bible or whatever that, defines what's right and wrong and I need to measure up to or that that's sort of my standard of, of what's right and wrong is this moralistic view of how I should be acting um, it's therapeutic because it's you know it's centered on it's centered on making me feel better and whatever that means making me feel right with God making me feel less guilty making me feel like a good person you know however we want to phrase it it's it's centered on how I personally, you know, perceive myself and my issues and my problems and, and, and you know, becoming a better person, that kind of thing, which right. ties into the moralism. Um, and then deism, you know, a more distant view of God. You know, we're not talking about the very imminent, historically grounded God of the Bible who is, you know, present in all things and all things are subservient to him so much as the divine watchmaker who sort of let things go. Right. And so when we need him, we call on him to make us feel better. And he's we sort of like a genie in a bottle. To, yeah. And we do our best to act how he wants us to. And we're sort of, you know, and maybe you're resonating with some parts of this and not all of it, but I think that a lot of this, you know, sort of like you mentioned, watered down 
expressions of Christianity that that exist can be sort of if we use this sort of broad umbrella term um there's issues of moralism of of reframing our relationship to god around our our own feelings and the personal you know felt needs um and neglecting to keep a thoroughly biblical view of what god's relation to us in the world looks like um i think that is definitely a big problem i know that you know i can i can definitely see that in when i look around you know just being a lot of the shortcomings fall back to those things, I would say. Yeah. And I think uh, in those, again, those, those same veins here, um, you know, other trends that concern me, uh, man, there, there's the temptation just like with anything um, that numbers are evidence of success, that Mm. a bigger youth group means you're doing a better job than the one down the street. So if you have more people in your seats, you're more successful I think that is incredibly dangerous um, because what that leads to is you doing whatever it means to get more people in the seats. Um, that is not something that I cared to do. I, I, I always said, if I had 100 kids here, that would be amazing. I would serve them. I would love them. I would preach to them. If I had five kids here and there were times I had five kids in youth group, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to behave the same way. I'm not there to be an entertainer. I'm not there to get a crowd. I am there to be faithful to kids who are hopefully wanting to learn um, who God is, who they are, how they fit into the world, um, you know, how to relate to one another, you know, things that like they're trying to figure out, but like to do so in a biblical way, Um, you know, and so it's dangerous because I've seen people sort of fall into the trap of like, well, in order to bring more people in, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do an iPad giveaway. If you bring 10 friends to youth group, you get entered into a drawing and, you know, whoever gets pulled gets to win an iPad or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to give away gift cards every week to whoever brings the most friends. And it's like, those things aren't necessarily bad, but when youth ministry becomes about getting seats filled, you're sort of losing the point of what you're doing. You're trying to be a pastor. You're not just trying to be a seat filler. Um, and so when we, be, when we, when we become so concerned about our numbers that we forsake our duty, that's, that's a really dangerous trend. And one that I think a lot of youth pastors especially fall victim to. And another problem that sort of pertains to this, there is not a lot of good support. Um, that's not to say that there, that this is, this is not a sweeping, this is more a, a general this isn't what I'm trying to say is I know that there are places where there are youth ministers that are supported well. There are youth pastors who have a good support system, but in a, in a, in a by and large way, there are a lot of pastors who don't either have the support of their uh, senior pastor, they don't have the support of their of the elders, maybe they don't have the support of their leader, like the the volunteer leaders or um, parents either. And one one of the things to that I think is a an obvious trend is the trend that I myself found. Like I went to Bible college. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I applied to churches just cause they were hiring and I got offered a job. And so I took it um, on the surface. That doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing. And it doesn't always mean a bad thing, but I think there are some dangers. Um, you know, how, how trained is a youth pastor? Like, are they, are they actually like a good person to be teaching and training and being with kids? Um, you know, in, in my 
estimate now, if, if I were to do youth ministry again, I would not do youth ministry just because the church down the road is looking to be, they're looking to hire a youth pastor. Like I want to be invested in a church, serving in a church and a need arises and people recognize like my gifts, my abilities, and I am sort of established as a youth pastor of sorts to then truly pastor and lead and facilitate the growth of, of students, um, as opposed to just applying to, a, you know, because there's a church in Arkansas that's hiring, I want to go work there right. because not that good can't come, but you're entering into a context that you are not a part of. And there's some just challenges there too, to mm -hmm. um, adapt to culture, to um, sort of learn customs. You don't know who came before. You don't know what sort of foundation they've laid, what, ha what work you have to do. So I think that's a, a danger too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, what would you say are like, if you had to, I don't know, two, three, four, I don't know, you know, whatever, but what are some key things um, that you would say are important to keep in mind when you're ministering to youth in whatever context that looks like? You need to know what's relevant um which sounds like something that i wouldn't say if you know me <laughs> um, <laughs> but you need to know what they listen to what they watch what their friends do like you need to really be in tune with the broader society i mean i so the church that i was at they had a christian school that they ran and so like i was actually able to like go have lunch with them and see them in the hallways mm. you know um, which is a really cool thing but that's like an exception. Like most youth groups right. are kids that are like in school all day long, surrounded by the world, surrounded by philosophies of just public education. And there's like real danger there. There's the, you know, peer pressure. There's the, the, the draw and the desire to fit in. Um, and so as a youth pastor, you really need to be relevant in that sense you know and that doesn't mean you have to be only 20 year olds can be youth pastors i mean mm -hmm. i i think that you could be a 50 year old youth pastor but if you're relevant and up to date on what is happening you can be just as effective um where where youth pastors become to be ineffective is when they lose their relevancy they don't know what the kids are into they don't know like what their challenges what their struggles are um, because you're just not going to relate you're not going to be on the same plane um, because, because again, youth ministry isn't a replacement of church. You're, this isn't just like I'm the youth church. And because that's the case, you in a way function as sort of a, you know, you, you're like almost like a middleman. I don't, I don't know. Like you're, you're kind of, you're teaching, you're training, but you're also mm -hmm. like a friend. You're not just the pastor who's on the platform. Um, yeah. And so that's yeah that's one thing to definitely keep in mind is is what your students are into um, another thing to keep in mind is that you can say and do all the right things and you can still fail time after time after time youth ministry is hard work and i mean ministry in general is hard work i don't know i mean i don't know how many of our listeners have ever been vocational vocationally in ministry but um mm -hmm. man like First of all, students, their their use of time is very poor. 
um, their, their, <laughs> their commitment to things. I can't tell you how many times I plan something and they don't come, they don't show up, mm-hmm. they come late, they forget, um, they're impossible to contact. And it's just like part of a, <laughs> being a kid is just, man, they're, they're, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be, you're going to feel defeated. I, I can't tell you how many times I preached a sermon and literally just felt like garbage afterwards because, you know, mm. nobody was listening. They're on their phones. Um, you know, as soon as the sermon's over, they just want to go and play games. You know, they keep asking 50 times, can I go to the bathroom? Like, it is hard yeah. work. Yeah. You're going to feel defeated. But like, again, your success is not measured by growth. Your success is not measured by, um, you know, how how many kids love you. Like, your success is determined by your faithfulness to the Lord because and mm. this is this is part of you know going back to theology going back to being watered down if you believe that all salvation is is a kid's decision to follow Jesus versus like the holy spirit doing a work within a believer causing them to be mm-hmm. born again like what do you think the word born again means i mean some people just seem like oh i was born again but like we're talking about we were dead in our sins we were dead in our trespasses i've never seen a dead man raise himself back to life uh, that if mm. they are, they are given life. Either someone, you know, gave them CPR, they were resuscitated or miraculously, um, you know, by Jesus resurrecting Lazarus. Like we are raising dead people. That is what ministry is. And it's not our work, but it's the mm-hmm. spirit working through us. And so if you are faithful to the Lord, faithful in preaching, faithful in prayer, like you're going to be blessed. Maybe not as you think, but you will be even if not now, down the road. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's really interesting, like just the whole idea of relevancy. The whole idea of relevancy is, is so interesting um, because it's like you even said in the beginning, like it's such a, a, a word that isn't usually a good thing when we're talking about uh, doing church or we're talking about, um, you know, ministering to those around us, but to connect, to connect on a certain level with a certain demographic of, of young kids who are going through such complicated, (laughs) um, you know, transitions and growth periods in a way that is so unique. Um, and especially because it's not replacing, you know, church, there's that different relationship between the youth pastor and the youth versus um the pastor and the youth you know there's there's as as an addition as a helpful positive extra ministry there's room to be there's a need and room to to be more you know on a on a different level in order to be discipling and pouring into the kids and i just think that it's really interesting to ponder the the way that that is so important to to keep in mind as you're doing youth ministry in whatever context that you are. Um, and I think that that's definitely a really helpful, helpful thing to, to keep in mind. So, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else that you would say is like, you know, sort of like on your deathbed, someone asks you about youth ministry, like, <laughs> I don't know why they would do that, but um, is there any other like, final sort of summary statements that that you feel like you'd want to share just about youth ministry and what it means to do youth ministry yeah definitely um preach the bible like (laughs) man so i've been a part of youth 
like Facebook page, like youthmen Facebook pages, youthmen like support groups, and man, it is just discouraging. Like the first of all, never ever. Okay, well, no, I'm just gonna say it. Never ever use curriculum as your main source of teaching, even if it's like the best curriculum in the world. In the world. It's mm-hmm. not your words. It's not designed for the kids under your care. And the only time that I would use curriculum was in Sunday school. But that's because we were, it, it was, it was a different context than like gathering at youth group. But like, mm-hmm. if you want to see actual change, preach the word, preach the Bible. Don't, and, and this, it requires, a, it requires a lot more work for sure. It means you have to study. It means you have to read. It means you have to know the Bible. It means you have to put in the effort and the work. But like if you, mm-hmm. it, it almost seems like disrespectful to your students to be like, oh, that's too much work. So you're saying like, it's too much work to do the work of study, of preparation, of preparing a <laughs> sermon, then you shouldn't be a youth pastor. And you should not be in charge of the spiritual care of students. And that's as, it's as simple as that because mm. you are, like I mentioned earlier, you are in a position of immense, immense, like, impact. You can leave a very big impact upon a student. If you teach the word, if you're faithful week after week after week. And honestly, I think there's, there's value in... Um, especially in youth ministry for topical preaching because it's topics that kids want to know more about. Mm-hmm. But there's also immense value in going through the scriptures, teaching them how to, um, you know, go verse by verse, you know, understanding the flow of a passage, understanding, you know, what does it mean when therefore is there? What does it mean that, you know, like words like and, because, for, yet. These are words that are helping us like read, helping us become good um, students of the Bible. So that's like, that's like my biggest thing is that if you're a youth pastor, you better, first of all, be in the word yourself, be in prayer yourself. Um, I, I didn't always, I wasn't always in the best habit of, of reading and praying right away, but like it was what I wanted to do every day. When I came in, I was going to read and pray. First thing that I did, um, phone is away, computers away in your office or wherever you are by yourself. Um, because if you're not being fed, you're not going to feed others. So yeah. Mm. So I guess we awesome. can uh, maybe begin wrapping it up here. And, you know, there's probably yeah. a million other things that could be said, but I hope at least that this has been helpful a little bit. You know, maybe you are somebody who wants to be a youth pastor. You're studying to be one. Um, you know, maybe you currently are one or maybe, you know, a youth pastor. So I don't know. It's I think it's helpful. Definitely. But we'll uh, we'll close with a, a word of prayer from the Valley of Vision. Um and then we'll uh, wrap it up. So this is called mortification. It says, O divine lawgiver, I take shame to myself for open violations of thy law, for my secret faults, my omissions of duty, my unprofitable attendance upon means of grace, my carnality in worshiping thee, and all the sins of my holy things. My iniquities are increased over my head. My trespasses are known in the heavens, and there Christ is gone also. My advocate with the Father, my propitiation for sins, and I hear his words of peace. At present, it is a day of small things with me. I have light enough to see my darkness, sensibility enough to feel the hardness of my heart, uh, spirituality enough to mourn my want of a heavenly mind, but I might have had more. I ought to have had more. I have never been straightened in thee. 
Thou hast always placed before me an infinite fullness, and I have not taken it. I confess and bewail my deficiencies and my backslidings. I mourn my numberless failures, my incorrigibility under rebukes, my want of profiting under ordinances of mercy, my neglect of opportunities for usefulness. It is not with me as in months past. Oh, recall me to thyself and enable me to feel my first love. May my improvements correspond with my privileges. May my will accept the decisions of my judgment. My choices be that which conscience approves. And may I never condemn myself in the things I allow. Amen. So, we thank you for listening to this episode about youth ministry. Um, you know, if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, um, if you want to know more about youth ministry, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can find us mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We always love and appreciate the feedback, your questions. Keep sending us episode ideas. You know, I was with my dad yesterday and uh, he recommended a couple Um Uh, We've got some feedback on Instagram about people that we should do for Christians of history. So keep doing that. Um, Sign up for our newsletter. We're not going to bombard you. We're going to send you one weekly newsletter, maybe another one, but usually just one a week. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Have a great day, guys. Bye.